The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm uh, 119. Psalm 119, we're going to be uh, going through uh, verses 57 to 64. That's Psalm 119, verses 57 to 64. Uh, While you're turning there, a devastating fire ravaged a building housing Freedom Ministries Church in West Virginia. It was an intense, it was, the fire was intense enough to justify a joint response from several nearby fire departments. It was so hot that at one point it actually caused firefighters to back out from the blaze. They just couldn't do anything about it. But after the fire was extinguished, what they found inside shocked them even more. The post on the fire department's Facebook page explains, in your mind, everything should be burned. Everything should be ashes. But not a single Bible was burned and not a single cross was harmed. And even more so, not a single firefighter was hurt. Photo evidence showed several compelling photos of Bibles that were unscathed, not even burnt, not even touched amidst the plenty of charred remains. Uh, Though the odds were against us, God was not, the firefighters added. So if you saw the pictures, a lot of the pictures will show like everything in the room was ash, except for a Bible sitting right there in the middle, like completely untouched. Almost as if they waited till the fire was done and then they just put the Bible there. It was amazing. Now, again, this story, a little touchy-feely, you know, maybe a little sensationalizing on my part. <laughs> but one thing is clear for those of us who believe that the scriptures are true. This is not surprising. Why is this not surprising? Because we believe That the Bible declares in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. My words will not pass. The word of God will remain. So as we continue in Psalm 119, I'm hoping that the Lord will spark a renewed perception. I'm hoping maybe that's not, maybe not the best word, but that's the only word I can think of. A renewed perception and Conviction, uh, conviction as to how wonderful is the Word of God. I'm hoping that through this study that we're doing through Psalm 119, that we have a renewed passion for the Bible's truth, a renewed confidence in the Bible's directives, and a renewed peace in its precepts. And I said it once, and I will say it again: How awesome! would be our lives. This is one way I'm guaranteeing, guarantee how awesome our lives would be. How awesome our lives would be if we actually, if we honestly, and if we in reality believe that the word of God is true. How awesome our lives would be. Do we really believe that the word of God is the actual word of God? But I do realize today, especially today, how hard this is. I I do see the constant attack. I see more 
the constant distortions that we see when it comes to the Bible. I, I, every day I see it. It's not, it, it's every day, and I see it like it's not just one time, but multiple times. Social media, TV, newspapers, if you still get them, magazines, if you still are looking at those. All these things, so much is actually happening of the constant and just total distortions that we're seeing when it comes to the Bible that it makes me kind of wonder. No wonder people don't have confidence in the Word of God anymore. No wonder people are actually having a hard time believing that the Word of God is the Word of God anymore because this isn't actually just coming from the world. It's coming from the church. Why would this even be happening within the church? I understand that this is happening because of the trend in modern evangelicalism to discount the sufficiency of the Bible by setting aside the scriptures for pop psychology, life coaching, or even ecstatic spiritual encounters or experiences. There is a trend today to minimize the authority of the Bible by casting doubts on its ultimate credibility when we affirm the positions of modern anti-theistic critics. This happens. This happens. I also understand that this happens because of the trend to depreciate the perpiscuity or the clarity of the scriptures, attempting and making true interpretation actually impossible. I mean, how many times do we have that? Well, I'll, I'll say, well, this is what the Bible says, and the response is, that's your interpretation. <laughs> it almost gets to the place where it's so out of hand that we don't even know what the right interpretation is anymore. So it's kind of like, well, one person says this, one person says this, one person says this, another person says that, that person says this, this person says that, that person says this, this person says that. Pick which one you like. We've uncovered so much, Shane. We've uncovered so much that there is the downplay of even the necessity of scriptures by suggesting that there are man-made alternatives to gain knowledge for ultimate truths in life. There's other ways for us to know what's real. We don't need the scriptures for that. I mean, one evangelical pastor will actually say that you don't actually need the Bible to believe in Jesus. See what I'm saying? It's not just the world. This is coming from the church. You don't need the Bible to believe in Jesus. Well, where are you getting your information about Jesus? Hmm, Interesting. Our psalmist today will show that all that there is, is the scriptures. There is nothing of more value than the scriptures. There's nothing, nothing else to turn to but the scriptures. So in other words, they who are doing this, if there, if there are people that are out there doing this by causing distrust in the Bible and causing people to lose confidence in the Bible, if you're doing this... <laughs> Then the Bible says, the scriptures say, therefore God says that you are flat wrong. Whoa. Do you imagine that? <laughs> that's that's like the one thing that I think is kind of hard to swallow. A believing, believing that when God makes it so clear. We should understand that there is nothing in this world of real value than the Lord. Will we agree? Yes. All should all we should want is the Lord. 
Do we agree? He is everything and should always be everything, agreed. And everything that is of value and should be wanted is that which comes from the Lord. We agree. So all that we have that is worth having is from the Lord, even if it is in the world. Why? Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, is the Lord's. It's all the Lord's. God has everything. So here it is. All that to say this. If you have the Lord, you have everything. It doesn't matter what anybody else, anyone else says about this. The word of God declares it to be so. God says that if you have, if all you have is him, you have everything there is, and not only that you have everything there is, you have everything that's possible. Whoa. Everything that's possible. So not only does Donna Petrie's red car belong to me, and I'm just letting her borrow it right now. It belongs to you too, John. Okay. But everything that you guys are going to buy in the future is mine too. That's the wonderful, awesome thing about our Lord and everything. Everything that we have. Everything that's possible. Everything that we can't even imagine that's possible is ours because we have the Lord. Luke chapter 15, verse 31, Luke 15, 31. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. All that is mine is yours. So family, let us not lose heart and continue to trust in the scriptures. The psalmist will show us the beauty of this. It is more than worth it. There is really nothing else. Let's check it out. Today, it's the golden alphabet letter, Chet. Psalm 119, verses 57 to 64. Lord, you are mine. I promise to obey your words. With all my heart, I want your blessing. Be merciful, merciful as you promised. I pondered the direction of my life and I turned to follow your laws. I will hurry without delay to, de- to obey your commands. Evil people try to drag me into sin, but I am firmly anchored to your instructions. I rise at midnight to thank you for your just regulations. I am a friend to anyone who fears you, anyone who obeys your commandments. O Lord, your unfailing love fills the earth. Teach me your decrees. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and pray that it continues to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're taking notes today, the first thing we will look at is some of the methods that show how we are to seek the Lord. Second, we're shown that we are to praise the Lord even when we are urged by people to walk away from the Lord. And finally, we're shown to join other people who are seeking God as we continue to see the steadfast love of God shown in the gospel of Jesus. So our thesis statement today is this. Um, 
though sin and the pattern of this world cause us to doubt the beauty of the word of God, it is the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the gospel that will cause us to see that the word of God is the very breath of God and of more value than we can imagine. So question number one, why do we seek the Lord? Because he's my portion. Verse 57 uh, translated here uh, in the New Living, uh, New Living uh, Version 2, translated, you are mine. That's awesome. You are mine. That's why we as Christians, that's why we can say things like, my Lord. It's my Lord. He is mine. But maybe a better way to understand the word, in some of your translations will say, the Lord is my portion. Okay? My portion. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe not a better way in our world today, but it's better understood as portion because um, understanding it back then would be extraordinary. When that word is used, it would, it would spark so much. Helic. Helic. By the time, our, the time of, the, of our psalmist, the word helic would bring an important meaning. Okay, It would be like for us today when we heard helic, it would be like the president of the United States just announced that they found $100 trillion buried under the White House. And praise be to God, he decided that we're going to split it up and we're going to give it to the citizens of the United States. And today we're going to find out how much each person is going to get. I'm going to find out what my portion of that is. So why would this be extraordinary to the Israelites? Because the promised land was the inheritance of the Israelites of the land that was flowing with milk and honey. Now, each of the 12 tribes of Israel received a portion. Their gift was from the Lord, but one tribe actually didn't get the land. You remember? 12 tribes all got a portion of the land. This was their gift from God. They got a piece of it. They got a piece of the pie as we say in America, the piece of the pie, their gift was from the Lord, but one tribe got something different, the tribe of Levi. Levi, the Levites didn't get a piece of the land. They were in charge of the temple, in charge of the sacrificial system. But the scriptures make a stark claim for the Levites that's applicable for us today. Numbers chapter 18, verse 20. Numbers chapter 18, verse 20. And the Lord said to Aaron, the priest, Right? If you're a Christian today, we are a royal priesthood. And the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land. Neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion. And your inheritance among the people of Israel. Man. The psalmist makes a claim for himself and for all of us in general. Now the Lord himself, that is our inheritance. Isn't that awesome? The Lord 
is our inheritance. That's why we can say the Lord is my portion. What do I get out of this? What's my piece of the pie? The Lord is our piece of the pie today. And let me tell you something, that's worth infinitely more than anything that we could have on earth in all creation. Infinitely more. Infinitely more. Psalmist makes this claim for himself. The Lord is our inheritance. The Lord himself is our portion. We can say the Lord is mine. That's awesome, right? Why? Because what we find clear in the scriptures is that all creation is the Lord and all of it belongs to him. So to have the Lord as our inheritance is another way of saying it is you can have it all. Come on now. So that's the thing that I love about this stuff. You can hear, you, you can heard that in the world. Yeah, come to our college, graduate from our university, and you can have it all. Call this number on your screen, and you can have it all. <laughs> but only the scriptures can truly fulfill that claim. Only God can. That's why there's the saying, if you have nothing left but God, you have way more than enough. And even all that's possible, all that's coming. But Shane, Shane, you don't understand. I don't have anything right now. So how can you tell me that if you're a Christian, you have it all, when I look at my life and I ain't got nothing? Well, yeah. Because we're foreigners in this land. That's why. And as Christians today, we're supposed to endure suffering. Christ was the King of kings, Lord of lords, the Son of God, the everlasting Father, the Alpha and the Omega. And when he came to this world, he said what? I don't even have a place to lay my head. Are we... Are we that much better than Christ that we think we deserve more? That I I should have more than what Christ had here on the earth? I mean, I'm not saying that other people don't have it, but what I'm saying is, do we feel as if we're entitled to it? (laughs) The word made flesh walked around and claimed nothing. Family, we are foreigners in this land. This is only bad news, the suffering and going without. You know, and I understand how frustrating it is to go without. You know, I was trying to make salsa last night, and I went to King Supers, and I couldn't believe it. They were out of cilantro. Have you ever seen a grocery store out of cilantro before? I haven't. Maybe some of you did, but I haven't. And then I have to go without, and I'm in the car sulking because we can't get no cilantro. Oh, Lord, this isn't fair. It's only bad news if we don't believe that God's word is God's word. If you actually believe God's word is God's word, then we can rejoice. For we have everything. And we can't ever say that we have nothing. 
Since we have it all in Christ, the psalmist urges his hearers to essentially seek the Lord and give, and he gives us a picture of how we can do this. I'm going to go through this kind of fast, but just follow along. Verse 58 urges us to pray. How do you seek the Lord today? Hey, Shane, I want to seek the Lord today. Well, one of the things that you can do to seek the Lord today is pray. Wow, man, here's the prayer thing again. Psalm 58 urges us to pray. He asks for. The psalmist entreats. He asks the Lord and he is asking and urging the Lord for his favor. And the Lord's favor brings much, much of what we would desire. Lord, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 14, Luke 2, 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So, uh, in other words, some of your translations may say, in whom he has favor. So he is praying, Lord, please, please, I desire to have your favor. I desire your favor. So we seek the Lord by praying and pray for his favor. He prays for the blessing of God. He wakes and he prays, Lord, please, I desire your blessing. I desire your blessing. And the question is, how bad do you want God's blessing today? Are we wanting God's blessing bad enough that we would pray at least once? What if you had to pray a million times? We give up after two or three prayers. I mean, would we give up after 10 prayers? Would we give up? How bad do we want God's blessing? Are we willing to struggle with prayer? Prayer is one of those things that Jesus told us flat out that prayer was going to be a struggle. He said, for those of you who pray and don't give up, why would he say and don't give up if it wasn't going to be a struggle? Do we want God's blessing? Are you willing to struggle for it? Here's the one. Are you willing to wrestle with God for it? I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Does that sound familiar? Are we willing to struggle and wrestle through prayer for God? Are we willing to struggle and wrestle with God for his blessings like Jacob did? Are we willing? with all of our hearts. We also seek God by thinking. Uh, Watch this. How many times have we just sat down one day and decided to rethink our lives? Or, Or how many of you sat down and just started thinking about life and just said, hey, you know what? I think I need to rethink my life. I need to rethink the direction that I'm going. I need to rethink what I'm doing. And that's what, that's what the, the, the psalmist is doing here. He's saying, I'm pondering in my direction. I'm thinking about the direction of my life. I'm thinking, where am I going? What am I doing? Some of you would do that as a couple, a married couple. You say, hey, babes, what are we doing? Where are we going? What's happening here? What am I doing with my life? I don't know what I'm doing with my life. What are you doing with your life? Are you doing anything with your life? What are we doing? And we just have to go and back and think and rethink our lives. How many of us have ever done that really convicting thing by thinking about our lives and then comparing it to the scriptures? Oh. Thinking about what we're doing during the day. 
thinking about what we did yesterday, thinking about what we did this last month. Some of us are thinking back going, what did I do for the Lord this year? And then we read the Bible and we go, well, he did this. I didn't do that. This one guy did this. Why can't I do that? Why shouldn't I do that? I think I need to do that. I got to And then we rethink our lives because of the conviction. How many of us have done that? To seek the Lord is to prioritize the word of God over our lives. And man, that's hard to do if you don't think that the word of God is the word of God. Or maybe we don't think that following God's word is what we should do. Proverbs 19.21, Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the minds of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will always stand. Sure, you can plan, you can scheme, you can think, mom, ponder, and all that stuff. The bottom line is, is that the purpose of God will stand. We also seek God by running. When we think and we come to our senses, we must run. Yes, we need to run. Run to the word of God right now. Do not delay. Hear what God has to say and be eager and hurry to obey his commands. There's nothing more than that. Nothing more than that that needs to be considered. You know, it's like there's not a reason for us to be like, okay, well, we know that God is God's word, but I'm wondering if I should obey. Would obeying God's word be a good idea for my life? Huh, let's make a pro and cons list. Okay, let's think of all the, the, the pros. You know, if I follow God's word, you know, then God will, maybe I'll get God's favor or, you know, uh, maybe I will fulfill God's purpose for my life and bring glory to God. And then we go to the cons list and we write, huh, there's no reason to consider. There's no considering whether this is what we should do. And the thing is, I don't got to convince you all to do it. You know why? Because you already know that's what it is that we're supposed to do. It's there, ingrained in us. Romans chapter 2 talks about that, that the law of God is written upon our hearts. So don't delay today. Don't delay you know, because in some of us, we're like thinking like, oh, yeah, well, you know what? I want to serve the Lord. Yes, I want to do things for God. I want to I do this stuff. But you know what? There's certain things I got to take care of. You know, I got I to gotta fix my life first or I got to take care of this or I have to take care of that. I have to deal with this problem. I got to deal with that problem. And I just, I just need to pave the way. And then once life is good and once everything is clear, then I can start following God and start doing what the Lord Lord has called me to do. And what the psalmist is saying, don't delay. Just go. There's nothing more that you need to do. You don't need to consider anything. You don't have to map it out. You don't have to see. And you don't have to analyze this stuff. But there's things, shame, that I've got to take care of. What about the important things in my life that I've got to take care of? I got to take care of life first, Shane. Luke chapter 9, verse 59 to 60. Luke chapter 9, verses 59 to 60. May I answer that question? May I answer your statement? To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Would you think that that's like an important thing? Because right, you know the answer. Okay, just don't, you, for those of you that don't know the answer. 
I mean, people today would say, oh yeah, marrying my father, that's kind of an important thing. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Go. Well, I got to do this. Go. I got to do that. No, go. Do not wait. Do not hesitate. Go and fulfill God's decrees. So we go and we run and we go and we run right now. Do not delay today. Run and hurry to obey the word of the Lord. So we seek the Lord today. We pray, we think, and we run. But you know what, Shane? There's people and there's things in this world that's trying to stop me from doing that. There's people, there's things, and I, and I like to say evil people and I like to say evil things, all that kind of stuff that's trying to stop us today. But one of the worst people in our world today that tries to stop us from doing this is ourselves. Hold on to the Lord. Point number two, hold on to the Lord. Be faithful to the word of the Lord, even in opposition. Watch this. Alan Ross, uh, Dr. Alan Ross said it well. There is something hollow about people pleading for God to fulfill the promises in his word when they pay little attention to keeping his word. That can't be us, right? That's not me, Shane. So much evil in this world, so much that wants to cause us to fall into sin. They will do all that they can do to make that happen. And you know, the thing is, is that they will draw you away to get you to sin. And then when you sin, they celebrate. Yeah. Good job. Good job. Here's a funny story about uh, when I was in high school. I was young. I wasn't necessarily the smartest kid in high school. But I remember when I was in high school, I was at, and I ended up at a party that I shouldn't have been at, and they were being bad. They were like college people at this party, and they were being very, very bad. They were drinking, and they were smoking weed. And, you know, doing all kinds of stuff, and you know, I'm like at this party. Uh, whoa, wow, this is a real party. This is what's happening. Then they found out that I've never smoked weed before. Oh, that's all it took, man. They found out that, oh, here's this boy that goes to a Christian school and he never smoked weed before. So at the end of the night, towards the end of the night, man, there was major peer pressure. Major peer pressure like I've never experienced before. And they were pressuring me. Come on, Shane. Come on, Shane. Just take a hit, man. Just do it. It's fun. It's fine. It's all that stuff. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to hurt you. Look, everybody else has been doing it. Everybody else is smoking it. They're all still alive. Come on, man. Just take a hit. You don't got to work tomorrow. Come on. Major peer pressure. The peer pressure was so bad that the friends that I came with that were bad, even they were trying to stop the people from forcing me to smoke weed. They were in there like, you know, come on, friends, don't let friends, you know, all this stuff. They were, they were doing it. And it was just so bad. It was so relentless. I finally caved. And I said, all right, fine. They're all like elated. All right, all right, all right. But here's the problem. The problem was... Uh, I'm sharing some things here just to set it up, but I, I'm not teaching you guys how to smoke weed. Okay, I'm not teaching you. 
Chances are all of you guys, most of you guys grew up in the 60s, so you probably already know this. Matter of fact, you probably know a better way of doing this. Anyway, they got, they got to the end. So when you get to the end of the joint, this is the last joint, you got to the end of the joint, you can't hold it and burn it, right? You burn your fingers. So what they did was they took it and they rolled it up into a little ball. They took a Coke can, an empty Coke can, or a beer, it wasn't a Coke can, it was a beer can. They poked a hole in it and they put the thing on the hole and then the opening of the cocaine, what there was, you're supposed to do is you're supposed to light it, and then you're supposed to suck it out of the cocaine. Am I going to get in trouble for this? Yeah, I am? Okay. I just, just, just bear with me, because this is funny. Just, this is funny. So the, here's the cocaine, and I'm doing this, and I, you know, it's like all this, and everyone's like, come on, Shane, you can do it, come on, Shane. So I get the cocaine, they put the lighter on it, and then I put my mouth on it, and I go... <laughs> While they're lighting it, and it, the, I saw the flame go in, I was like, <laughs> really hit it hard. Everybody started cheering. It was like, this is like this. They started, ah! they started cheering, and I pulled my head away, and I said, is that right? And the smoke came out. <laughs> and then they looked at me like, you, you missed the hit, Shane. I'm like, oh, sorry. I, I wasn't actually trying. I missed it. But the thing is, is I think about that every single time. I think about our world. And what our world tries to do is the world is trying to help us to get away from obeying God's word, being a good boy, and they want you to sin. They want you to go again. And you know what? They will stand in approval and they will cheer you on and even celebrate when you actually do it, even though I didn't actually do it. So technically, I still didn't smoke weed to this day. I believe one of the reasons why I don't, one of the things that helps me is that there is a humongous reward in heaven for those of us that didn't smoke weed. If you did, you're, you're done. You're out. Don't even try to stand in that line. <laughs> We're to say in the Bible. So let's say, good job, good job, good job. Romans chapter 1, verse 32. Romans 1, 32. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. The world, the world will celebrate anything that you do. Doesn't it seem like that even today? That's so stark and so clear today. The world will celebrate anything that goes against God's word doesn't matter what it is. Just as long as it goes against God's word, man, the world will celebrate you and the world will approve it. The opposition will pressure you. They will persecute you if you don't join in. They will abuse you. They will plan and scheme against you. These days, they will cancel you. They will be violent against you. They will brutalize you. You know, that's the thing about today that's just funny. It's like, I wonder if we actually fear getting canceled more than fear getting killed. Like, sometimes I just wonder if people are just like, better to die than get canceled. You know, back in the first century church, these people are dying for the word of God. <laughs> you know, and that's the worst thing that happened to them in our culture when we go to heaven. They'd be like, what's the worst thing that happened to you? I got canceled. 
They will brutalize you. They will humiliate you. They will trap you and torture you, all to get you to sin against God and turn away from Christ and his word. But our psalmist shows us by the power of the Holy Spirit that he will not go along with them because he is firmly anchored to the Holy Scriptures. He will not forget the truths of Scriptures. The Scriptures will hold him and keep him from the pressures from the world and from evil people. The world and the pattern of this world has no answers. Hear me today. The world and the pattern of this world has no answers. The world and the pattern of this world has nothing to offer of any substance. The world and the pattern of this world will only bring death and destruction. The world and the pattern of this world cannot nor will not give what it promises. The world and the pattern of this world is infecting the church, and this infection is nothing but a vapor and a chasing of the wind. All is meaningless on top of meaninglessness. The world and the pattern of this world will bring nothing and no one and everywhere and everyone nowhere. Nothing. The world and the pattern of this world won't give us anything. But here it is. That's not true when it comes to the word of God. That's not true when it comes to the Bible. Because the Bible, it will tell us of the one who will bring life and life more abundant. It will illuminate the truth so that we know it and the truth will make us free. It is all that we need for life and godliness. The word of God is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. It is the very breath of the living God. It's useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness so the man of God will be thoroughly equipped for every single good work. When heaven and earth passes away, the word of God will remain forever. It will renew our minds because the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It is what Job said that he treasured more than daily bread it will accomplish God's purposes it proves true it brings blessing it is the sword of the spirit it's perfection it's trustworthy it's right it's radiant it's pure it's firm and it is more valuable than millions in gold and silver it's more precious than rubies and even the finest gold it is sweeter than honey the word of God is like a fire it's like a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces and the scriptures cannot I say again cannot nor never Never be broken. Anything, nothing else in this entire universe can make such a boast. Nothing, I repeat, nothing. Man, nothing else can make that boast. So why would we cast it aside? (laughs) It also presents the good news of the gospel. Join the Lord's people. Point number three, walk with those who are seeking God. The psalmist wants to run with those who run with God. Look around. Look around even in the church. I mean, that's one of the things that's amazing and awesome about Christianity. It's like I can go to another state I can go to another country and find people that believe exactly what I believe and that are running for Christ just like I am. It's amazing. It's amazing. He wants to run with those who, runs with God, who run with God. Look around. We run with each other. 
those of us together bound by our common desire to walk in the ways of the Lord directed by the scriptures. It's the tie that binds us. It is the thing that unites us. It's not even, even natural family. Like Christ said, it's those who do the will of the Father. Those are his mother, his brother, and his sisters. It's those who does God's will. That's family. That's true family. So I'm saying it's not even about natural family. It's about the family of God. Because that family is forever. Look around. Get used to it. Just get used to it. You guys realize that I know Janet Bowman. I see Janet Bowman today. I'll probably see her next Sunday. But you know what's amazing about the thing with Janet Bowman? I will see her every single day for the rest of my, not every single day, but I will see her all the time for the rest of my life here on earth. And I will see Janet Bowman for the rest of my life in eternity. That's forever. She is my sister in Christ. Therefore, she is my sister forever. Forever. It's the tie that binds. It's the thing that unites us. It's the love that we have for each other that will show the world that we are his disciples and then therefore show us and show the world the steadfast love of the Lord because all we experienced, all of us, we've all experienced the steadfast love of the Lord that never ceases. Well, Shane, how do you figure that? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. No one is righteous, no, not one. We are all by nature children of wrath. There is no one on earth who always does good and never sins. So where is the love, Shane? Here it is, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Man, you're not going to see a better, bigger, greater display of the love of God than when you see and witness what happened to Christ on the cross. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the promises that motivate us continue. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, family. This is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus. This is the foundation of our motivation for the works that we do for the things that we desire to accomplish for God. You realize that if you try to do anything to please God that's not motivated on the gospel, it's called works righteousness and it's a sin. Whoa, Shane, are you saying that if I pray with the wrong motivation that I'm sinning? Yeah. The reason why we do what it is that we do matters. And it matters to our Lord. And you know what? You may be able to fool me, but you're not going to be able to fool Christ. He knows. He sees. He knows. And that's why I, we preach the gospel every day. Shane, you know, you know, it's just all of us, we're Christians, man. We heard the gospel. 
We've heard it. Dude, why are you doing it every single week? I'm doing it because the gospel is not the ABCs of Christianity. It's the A to Z of Christianity. Do you realize that understanding the gospel, that even angels in heaven are looking at it, looking at the gospel and pondering at things with outstretched necks is what they say. That's a literal translation of that. With outstretched necks, the angels are looking at it and pondering the idea of the gospel because the gospel is so absolutely extraordinary. When you think that you got the gospel and you understand it and you got it all the way and you understand every single thing about it, that is the first sign to show you that you do not know it. It's huge. It's awesome. It's amazing. And it's got to be our foundation for all the good works that we do. You guys go out there and you guys have a great week of doing all kinds of good, godly things and it's not motivated and it's not founded on the gospel. It was a waste. All it was was filthy rags to the Lord. That's why we do the gospel every single week. It's imperative for us, family, as we walk, that we walk in step with the truth of the gospel. All that we have is from Christ. All that we want is from Christ and is Christ. Our hope, our future is in Christ and in Christ alone because the work is Christ and the work is Christ alone. Who, as Paul said to the Galatians, who's bewitched you? The, the walk and the life that you started started with the Spirit. Now you think you're going to be perfected by the flesh? He who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion. Not he's going to make you able to bring it to completion. No, he is going to bring it to completion. He's the one that can. He's the one that will. He's the one that promised to do so. So if all you have is Christ, then you have way more than enough. The word proves true. And when all around us goes up in flames, God's word will still remain. God's word is going to be there. That, that scripture that I said, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's going to be forever. I give you this example all the time, just one last time. Trillions, trillions, a hundred trillion years in eternity. You might even forget who you were married to. Let me think about it. You know, we're not going to be infinite. We're still going to be creation. You might forget who you were married to. You might even forget who your parents were. You might even forget the fact that there was such a thing as the earth. You may hopefully forget the fact that there was a TV show called American Idol. A hundred, hundred trillion years from now. You even forget, you might actually even forget your own name. But there's one thing that I guarantee you will never forget. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why? Because that is the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will always and forever remain. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.